We're going to Isaiah chapter 52, and we will read from verse 1. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, Ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, My people went down a fourth time into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here? saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught. They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore my people shall know my name, therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rereward. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high, as many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading from his word. I want us to remember, I want us to to note this first thing that I'm about to, to say here particularly. It's a little phrase that I uh, I discovered a, a number of years ago, and it has been it has been very 
uh, illuminating and very helpful to me and I trust it will be so for you as well. It takes a lot of uh, a lot of reflecting upon and uh, a lot of considering as we read the scriptures but if you remember this I think you will find the scriptures open up to a degree especially some of Paul's writings um, uh, to a degree that that will bless your heart. Here here is the, the little phrase it's this the Lord's commands are his enablings the Lord's commands are his enablings And the meaning of that, I believe, is that in the spiritual realm, the Lord does not require anything from his people without first bestowing and enabling and and equipping his people to comply with his request. So that the Lord does not require anything of us without first bestowing, enabling or equipping his people to comply with his request. Either personally or rather in the person of our saviour and surety. Because the Lord knows who we are and he knows what we are. And he doesn't seek anything from weak, bankrupt, spiritually dead sinners that he does not first freely give to us and generously provide for us. If the Lord requires faith from us, he first gives us spiritual life. If he requires obedience, he first makes us willing to obey. If he calls for worship, he begins by putting praise in our heart and a new song upon our lip. If he calls us to make a sacrifice, it is only after first gifting to us the very thing he asks from us. The Lord says, I will be your God and ye shall be my people. I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And ye shall be holy unto me for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. The Lord told a curious lawyer that the greatest commandment is Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And this we do by his grace. We love him, but only mark you. Because he first loved us. Sometimes preachers will say, well, this is what you've got to do. You've got to love God or, or you've, you've got to serve God or you've got to dedicate yourself to God. You've got to c- conform yourself uh, to, to the Lord's way. You've got to live perfectly for him. These things we cannot do. 
until and unless the Lord enables, until and unless the Lord equips us to do by faith what we never can do of ourselves. Paul says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Lord seeks nothing from us which he does not first give to us. Even faith, even our faith. We are not the Lord's people because we believe in him. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because we are his people and he has made us so. The Lord once asked a question about whether he would find faith on earth upon his return. And the answer is yes, he will. But it will only be the faith that he has first planted and nurtured and that he brings to fruition. By Christ's gift of faith, the Lord's people discover and learn who Christ really is and what he has accomplished for us. By Christ's gift of faith, they learn who they really are and what mercy they have been shown and what good they have been given and how to experience the joy and all the good blessings that the Lord has provided and eternally purposed to bestow upon them. In our chapter today, in chapter 52 of Isaiah, the Lord by his prophet Isaiah seeks four things from his people and commands four things of his church. I guess if you want to be Pedantic, you could probably find more than four, but I have chosen four. I've highlighted four that I think are predominant in this little passage that the Lord seeks and calls for his people uh, to do. He calls us to awake and put on our strength, our beautiful garments. He calls us secondly to break forth into joy and sing together. He calls us thirdly to depart. Go ye out from thence. And finally, he calls us to behold my servant. So what I'm going to do today is take these four headings very quickly just uh, draw a few thoughts from each of them uh, to show us what the Lord expects from his people in complying with these instructions. Remembering that the Lord asks nothing of his people that he has not already supplied to us, nor commands what he has not provided, nor seeks what he has not enabled. And we shall look today at these four instructions of God to his beloved church. So the first one is this. 
awake. Put on your strength and your beautiful garments. The Lord was speaking through Isaiah to the people of Isaiah's day and he speaks to us the same word. This is a this is a living word. This is an eternal word. This is a, a word that is as relevant today to you and me as it was to those uh, believers, that ransomed people, that remnant people, the elect of God in the day of Isaiah and subsequently. Awake, awake, put on your strength and your beautiful garments. What a delightful picture that is. Even in purely natural terms, it's a lovely picture that Isaiah sets before uh, his, his readers here. Waking up from a restful sleep, refreshed and strengthened for the day that lies ahead and all the promise that it holds and dressing in anticipation in our finest clothes. But what an immeasurably finer picture these words evoke when we realise that it is a spiritual call that is in view. It is a spiritual call to the Lord's people to awake, put on your strength and your beautiful garments. And what a privilege to realise that the Lord has both energised and enabled us to do all that he asks of us. It is the Lord who first awakens the soul that sleeps the sleep of death. It is the Lord who rouses those who slumber due to weakness of the flesh. It is God the Holy Spirit who quickens the dead and brings spiritual life where none existed before. It is the Lord who sends his spirit to convict of sin, to teach his word. It is the Lord who sends preachers to point us to Christ. It is the Lord who calls his sheep by name and leads us in the way that we should go. And this is what is happening here in this passage. The Old Testament church, those to whom Isaiah was writing, those to whom the Lord had instructed Isaiah, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. The Old Testament church was hard pressed and wearied by the troubles of the nation and the trials of their time. But the Lord and Isaiah calls that people, calls that church, calls his remnant people to rally and to arise. It's inappropriate that a people with the privileges of God's elect and the promises that they possess, it is inappropriate that they merely lie down under the weight of their troubles. And Isaiah is reminding them that they were not a forgotten people. Though they were hard pressed, though they were in difficult times, though we are hard pressed, though we are in difficult times, though we are challenged with the 
weaknesses of our flesh, with the illnesses of our body, with the, 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 the tiredness that comes upon us as we engage with this world and the sinfulness that we find in it and indeed in our own souls. They nor we are a forgotten people. In fact, all that is happening in the world is focused upon the church. Everything that is happening in this world, everything that happens in our lives, whether it is the great ebbs and flows of empires like the Egyptian and the Assyrian and the Babylonian, or whether it is the little things in our daily experience that irk and provoke and try us, it is all amazingly, almost unbelievably, all conducive to our greater good and the leading of the Lord's people to glory. And though these people in their days seemed but few, a little remnant, just the, just, the, just the edge, just the cut off of the edge, although they appeared feeble and frail, their salvation was at hand. This is what Isaiah is telling them. Arise, your salvation is at hand. The Messiah was coming. The great kingdom of his promise and his glory was near. And the remnant of Isaiah's day was just like a little flame. A little flame on a stormy night. A single candle in a dark world. But soon... The light of the whole world would arise from amongst that remnant. And the day star would appear and the sun of righteousness would rise when Jesus, the Messiah, came. And Isaiah continues telling the people, put on your beautiful garments Beautiful garments are for kings and priests. These people were prisoners and slaves. But what a delightful picture this is of our conversion. By nature we are slaves to sin and captive to Satan. But the Lord has redeemed us. He has released us. He has elevated us to the position of kings and priests in the kingdom of his father. And he has made us righteous in his sight. Not, not figuratively righteous. Not symbolically righteous. He has made us actually and really righteous in the sight of God. He has made us pure in spirit. He has made us righteous in his sight, holy and blameless before him in love. Christ's church, men and women, boys and girls of faith have beautiful garments, wedding garments, spotless, clean and suitable for all our needs. And these we put on when we put on Christ, trusting in his sufficiency to meet every demand of God and every requirement of holiness, of law and of justice. 
So that's our first thought today. The Lord Jesus Christ, or, or God, commands his people to awake and put on strength and your beautiful garments. And these are pictures of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, that we may put him on by faith. Here's the second instruction that the Lord gives to his people via Isaiah. He says, Then the Lord calls us to break forth into joy and sing together. Break forth into joy and sing together. I doubt very much, I doubt very much that the remnant people felt much joy in captivity or reason to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. But when the messengers brought news to the captives of Judah that their exile was over, that their redemption was secured and that they could go back home and return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. As they did in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. How they received that word with joy. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. These were the good tidings that came to the people of Israel, the people of Judah. But this is the very verse that the Apostle Paul uses to speak not only of some historical event and the news concerning it, but about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to sinful men and women. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, the people of God, thy God reigneth. And so too, when the good news of the gospel of deliverance and salvation and glory is pronounced to sinners like you and me, and they are given faith to believe it, then who can keep the redeemed of the Lord from singing and praising his name? When God sends the gospel of free grace into a sinner's soul, who can silence the heart that has left its chains behind and is ascending home in the company of Christ? Christ before, that's what really word means, Christ is at the rear of his people to defend them and Christ ahead, leading them as they advanced guard, leading and protecting, surrounding his people. The Lord says, Lo, I am with you always. And the psalmist says, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. And he goes on to say here in this in this same section, uh, this is our second one that we're still on about singing, he goes on to say, the watchman shall sing. The watchmen are the Lord's apostles, the Lord's evangelists, his pastors for his people, the preachers that he sends 
to his church. The watchmen shall sing. They will sing in unison. They will sing together like a great choir of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the conductor of that choir. They sing together when they declare the gospel of God's grace, when they preach Jesus Christ crucified. They see eye to eye with a unified message. You see, the gospel isn't a mixed message. It isn't a yea and nay message. It isn't sometimes this and sometimes that. It isn't Calvinist one day and Arminian the next. It isn't God's sovereignty and man's free will. Oh, I can see and understand them both. Oh, can you? Double-minded men. It isn't something that differs depending on the audience or indeed the age in which it is preached. Paul preached at Corinth, he preached at Rome and he said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Friends, be careful not to compromise on hearing the gospel of grace. You've been taught the gospel of free grace. Be careful that you keep listening to that gospel and you don't get distracted to listen to another gospel, which isn't another. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. That's verse 10. I don't think there's a better sovereign grace verse in the whole of the Bible. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Not maybe shall see it. The gospel of free grace is the only gospel that suits your need and mine. And we should be as resolute to hear nothing other than Jesus Christ crucified as Paul was determined to preach nothing less. And I connect this, this point about the um, watchmen singing in unison with our third point which is that we are to depart and go ye out thence. This is the third thing that Isaiah tells the people from the Lord in this chapter. Depart, depart ye and go out thence. The Lord's people are a separated people. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Now this does not mean that we are to act in a peculiar way in order to purposefully distinguish ourselves from the people around about us. It's not about incidentals like clothes or food or even lifestyle. But that's a subject for another day. My point is this. We are a separated people. 
Not because we make a difference in the things that we do, but because the Lord has separated us. He has caused that difference. He has separated his people. It is the Lord who has made the difference. We are a called out people, a called apart people, set apart in so many ways, set apart in the covenant of grace. Set apart in God's elective purpose. Set apart in Jesus Christ. Set apart in our conversion. Set apart in God's kingdom. Set apart under his care and his protection. Recipients of his distinguishing love. Christ's particular redemption. The Holy Spirit's quickening enlivenment. When Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he says, who maketh thee to differ from another? He's not only stressing sovereign grace, he's emphasizing distinguishing grace because we have been distinguished from the rest of the people of this world. We are called to spiritual life by the power of God and we are called to spiritual life for the glory of God. Here's a question. How do we glorify God in our bodies? How do we glorify God in our lives? How do we glorify God in our service and in our worship? Not by trying to purify our bodies and perfecting this flesh. That will never work. But by approaching God on the sole basis of Christ's righteousness and his cleansing blood. That's how it's done. When the Lord tells the church... To touch no unclean thing. Go ye out from the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. He's not instructing us to do what we never can do in this flesh. Our very flesh is unclean. Rather he is telling us to have nothing to do with any doctrine that detracts from Christ's sufficiency in salvation. Any gospel that mixes faith and works, any preacher who doesn't know the difference between law and grace, and any ground of merit when approaching God other than the perfect person and work of Jesus Christ. We shall never be clean in this flesh until the Lord transforms our bodies and gives us a body like unto the Lord's own body, raised in glory and spiritual. Nevertheless, we are clean in soul, spirit and heart when we look to Christ alone for acceptance with God and fix our faith upon the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Jews were called out of ancient Babylon and we are called to come out from mystical Babylon. That is the false religion of this world. This is what it means to depart, depart and touch no unclean thing. 
And finally, the prophet once again points his hearers to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah, Isaiah was a fine preacher. He was never far from lifting up the Saviour. And here, once again, is the Saviour, the salvation of the Lord set before us. And in verse 13, 14 and 15, this is a beautiful uh, conclusion to this chapter and introduction to uh, the next chapter. Because here Isaiah lifts up Christ. He says, God says, behold my servant. Behold my servant. Listen, we cannot behold Christ. We cannot understand Christ. We cannot appreciate Christ. We cannot understand the work of Christ in our carnal nature. We cannot see who he is or what he has done until our eyes are opened, until our ears are opened to hear the word of truth. And so when the Lord God says, behold my servant, he enables us to behold the one of whom he speaks. And the prophet grants the believers of his own age a fresh glimpse of the coming Messiah, the servant of the Lord. And he says, the servant of the Lord shall be exalted, he shall be extolled, he shall be very highly esteemed. And yet he will be more marred in body and suffer more in soul than any man before him or after. Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about but our Lord Jesus Christ? And he goes on to say that by his suffering, this servant will amaze and silence and curtail the powers of this world. He is the stronger man who has spoiled the strong man's house. By the power of his death, our Lord Jesus Christ has won the victory. And kings and the kingdoms of this world cannot resist the power of Christ's gospel or the effectual workings of the Holy Spirit. Satan can't stop the work of God going on in the life of his people, nor can any man or ruler or, or, or regime in this world. God's grace is irresistible and neither Satan nor man's supposed free will can hinder or oppose the work of the gospel in gathering Christ's sheep and securing his flock. I mentioned this yesterday in my little note. Let me say it again. The church of Jesus Christ has always been one church of one faith in one Lord. And here again, as we read Isaiah's prophecy so many hundreds of years ago, here again, we have seen how the faithful remnant of Isaiah's generation was supplied with views of Christ. And how this gospel in Isaiah's prophecy informed their knowledge and inspired their trust. 
so that in the midst of their own troubled times, the instability, the, the warmongering, the, 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 the uh, breaking down of society, the, the transportation of them into exile, the persecution of them into oppressed service and 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 uh, them being taken away from their their own land and all the troubles that that brought the certainty of the messiah's coming and the assured success of god's suffering servant was confirmed to their hearts and believed by faith in every age god's elect receive god's promises through the preached word and through the revelation of scripture. They receive it and they believe it for the comfort of their souls. Whatever, let me bring this up to date, let me apply it to you and me. Whatever the burden is that lies upon your soul today, know this. God is your refuge and your strength a very present help in trouble. He is your beautiful garment. He is your strength. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Amen. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us today.